You're listening to the Comic Book Informer podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. You see, I forget sometimes now that we're not recording those in separate tracks. Because before, I used to be able to sing along and just remove my track, but I forgot. I'm leaving it in. Too bad. (laughs) It's the special edition. It is. (laughs) Anyways, welcome, folks, to episode 130 of Comic Book Informer Podcast for the week of the 10th of July, Comic Book Day. We are a day late, my fault, Um, but it's because of cute. It's because of a puppy. We got a new puppy, so which is requiring a lot of care. But it's going well. It's going well. And you got one too. So. Oh yes. <laughs> Just a quinketing there. He's a, he's a little better about that peeing on the floor thing. So. Well, how old is yours? Uh, it's, nine weeks. Oh, okay. Ours is doing reasonably well. You just got to keep an eye on her. She'll just sneak a crap without <laughs> stopping, squat, and crap in seconds. And it's like, damn, I didn't even have a chance to prepare. Not that you can. You're not going to run over with your hand scooped. <laughs> Anyway, folks, how about we talk about some comic books? Uh, before we get into that, though, you were Twittering about a Comic-Con that you went to. Was it a Comic-Con or was it an anime con or what was it? Exactly? It was just a general con. It's actually called the Florida Super Con. Oh, okay. Well, you would think it's fairly big with a name like that. You would think, but actually, like the last, like it's been going on for several years and I've never went because, honestly, it's been pretty lame. Right. But <laughs> like, this year? As, as much as I love Bruce Campbell, if he's your biggest draw... <laughs> Yeah, there's something. I'm, I'm not driving all the way down to freaking Miami. <laughs> I mean, it's only a half hour drive, but it's Miami. <laughs> so you were there though for both days, you said? Uh, well, I was actually a four day con. I was only there for the last two days. Okay, and give us your thoughts. And they, the, I, what really drew me in was they actually did level up their, you know, their talent pool of, of uh, guests, like. Uh, their media guests, they had like half the cast for The Walking Dead, which I don't care about, but good on them. They had Adam Baldwin, of course, Jane from Firefly, uh, George Takei, and believe it or not, one of the most popular people there was the Green Power Ranger. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but they actually had some really good comic talent. What what, what initially uh, drew my attention this year was Rick Remender was supposed to be there. Oh. And he actually ended up canceling uh, – Bastard. But yeah, but like I, was, I still went, and I actually didn't pay attention to just how many people were going to be there. But they had Oliver Coipel, uh, Jerome Pena, Clay Mann, Jorge Molina, Ron Garvey, Paulo Rivera, George Perez, and Dave freaking Gibbons, co-creator of The Watchmen. Hmm. So they had some great talent there. Unfortunately, like the first day was a nightmare. They 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 clearly just let too many people in. They needed to cut off ticket sales at some point. Like it was just awful. It was packed. It was hot. It was just people couldn't do anything. Like if you wanted to stop and buy something at a booth, you were holding up traffic for 300 other people. It was oh, obnoxious. God. So like I, I was so pissed. I actually missed the Adam Baldwin panel because by the time I got there, it was over. <laughs> see, and see, that's the thing too. Like I, I would love to, to, to do more of these. Apparently the one that was here in Ottawa this year was actually fairly fun. The The only problem is, and this is not old boohoo me kind of thing, but for someone with any type of special needs, which I either need to be, you know, on my crutches or using the canes, it's not fun. 
it's just it's 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 damn near impossible in some cases. So unfortunately, if it's crowded like that, I can't even consider going in. I, it's mm-hmm. not even a possibility. Yeah, like I you know I caught a few of the panels and like some of the other stuff to do there because obviously you're not just gonna spend the whole day on the show floor. Like some anime stuff, some Doctor Who stuff. Uh, the costume contest Saturday night was nuts. I just wish I could have actually gotten useful pictures of it because, like, there were Warhammer 40K cosplays that were nine feet tall. Holy like, crap. It, it was crazy. Like, it was, I did not know there was actually that big of a cosplay scene in South Florida. Wow. And then Sunday totally redeemed it. As terrible as Saturday was, Sunday was fantastic because they're were half as many people there. I was actually Sunday. I went around Sunday morning. It was like just talking to some of the artists and stuff. Like, you know, I didn't want to hang around too much because you know they were doing commissions, and since I wasn't buying anything from them, I didn't want to waste too much of their time. But you know, just walk by. Hey, you know, love your work on X Force, and you know this and that. And I actually got a uh, signed print from uh, Jerome Pena. Nice. Yeah, it was the uh, the X Force. As you know, with Nightcrawler and you know all that, it was really awesome. You know, when I mailed. That Skull Kicker signed edition to you. I believe there was a return address <laughs> in the upper left-hand corner of that. And I'm just saying. It, yeah, I I'll, be- I'll put my Spider-Man variant cover in there it, while I'm I at believe it. it was there. No more Skull Kickers <laughs> for you. No more. There, there was a great uh, voice actor panel that had uh, Jennifer Hale, who was, of course, you know, awesome. Uh, and Greg Berger, who's done a number of voices over the years, both in animation and video games. That was really fun. And then Saturday afternoon, there was actually a Jack Kirby tribute panel because the Jack Kirby Museum had a booth there. And, you know, I walk in the room like, okay, cool. We're going to talk about Jack Kirby for a while. And then, you know, another person walks in the room and sits down. I was like, what's Dave Gibbons doing here? (laughs) I sat there for an hour and listened to the co-creator of The Watchmen just talk about Jack Kirby, telling stories. It, it was fantastic. Like that completely made the weekend right there. That is awesome. Actually, I would have really liked that voice of panel stuff too. I I love that stuff. It's funny because um, as you were talking about that on Twitter and whatnot, Tristan and I have been watching a different little anime here and there. And we've uh, latched on to a new one now. And one of the voices came up and I was like, Damn it, I recognize her voice. I'm almost positive I know who it is. And so I started looking through. This woman's been in everything. Mm-hmm. And then here I am looking through Twitter and you're on a freaking voice panel show. And I'm going, oh, you bastard. <laughs> I love that stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on a, a larger write-up with some more details and uh, include some of my awful pictures. Apparently, my, my phone has the worst camera in yeah, the history really of digital cameras. It was not impressive. It, it wow. Really- no, granted, what you had to work with and the lighting and whatnot. And it's funny, too, because when you saw the shots from the um, the panels you were at, especially the comic one, well, all it is is these floodlights going into the crowd. <laughs> yes. So all, you, all you're seeing is big, bright lights. I was like, okay, well. But uh, assuming I go back next year, because if they have you know a similar quality show, I will go back next year, better prepared, uh, have an actual camera and you know maybe some business cards to hand out. That would be awesome. Hey, listen to our podcast. <laughs> we like your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was pretty nifty. Like I, I've been to some smaller cons, uh, you know, up up in Fort Lauderdale and like Orlando. You know, I, I still want to go up to MegaCon one year up in Orlando because that's a, actually like a primary convention, like with like on par with like New York City Comic Con. So, but uh, this, if they can keep building on what they did here and expand and you know keep bringing in talent for the comic side uh, instead of just keeping you know building up the anime stuff, which I mean is important. It, it builds builds the the 
the scope of the con. But if they can keep the the comic talent growing like they have this year, I'll actually be really excited for next year. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Okay, let's move on to the comics that we were going to talk about this week. Now, I, I picked this for a couple of reasons. A, because my first choice really didn't pan out. <laughs> Some things don't hold up, folks. And again, if you've been away from comic books for a long time like I was in 25 years and you look back at some of the ones from before and you might think, man, those were fun to read when I was young. Remember that you were a kid <laughs> and some things don't hold up. And I'm quite sorry to say that Gru does not hold up. <laughs> Maybe you for see- some folks. Whenever I do one of those episodes about something old that turns out not holding up, I don't have the foresight to read it first. <laughs> I did. I did. I started reading it and it was like – and nothing against Sergio obviously. I mean for the time too and what it was and for the type of humor that it is, some people I, – I don't want to say don't grow out of it because that sounds condescending. But it's not. It's a good thing. I mean if you can hang on to that sort of you know zest for life and, and stuff, good on you. Um, but I read it and I'm like, oh my god. And I used to love these. I used to buy them all. I had crap loads of them. And it was like, no. So then I thought, <laughs> let's work with something else that I know will hold up. And that was phenomenal at the time and is equally phenomenal now. And it really ties into a lot of the different stuff that we've done recently. We talked about Lone Wolf and Cub not that long ago. And... This was partially inspired by Lone Wolf and Cub. And then we can look at this series and see how it actually inspired uh, partially the Samurai Jack animated series. And then from there, of course, there's the obvious Wolverine series that was done recently by the man who created this. I'm talking about... Ronin, which was done by Frank Miller. Frank Miller both wrote it and did the art for it. The colorist was Lynn Var- Varley. Yeah, Lynn Varley. And uh, letters by John Costanza. But the obviously the brains and the art behind this is Frank Miller. And it's funny because if you are looking at this series and you look at some of the quotes that people have left for this this series as it was going on and you can you can see not just the appreciation for the work but also just some people being you know sarcastic about it and saying like we hate people like this i can't remember who left that quote but it's like he he's so freaking talented he's so good and of course he has to be an even better writer and of course he has to be able to produce this work quickly and he's basically putting everybody to shame Ronan really stepped up the game at the time of what a comic book series could be. It's a six-issue series that was presented by DC at the time. It's rumored that it was actually supposed to go to Marvel initially, but it went to um, to DC. Apparently, Miller was uh, quote-unquote wooed over by uh, Jeanette Kahn. Now, this was not a normal comic book for the time either. It was part of their high-quality run that they were doing back then and it was like on high quality paper there were 48 pages instead of like 22 so it was each issue was massive and there were no ads in it either i remember when this came out and it it was so jarring because it was and when i say i remember when it came out it came out in 83 and spanned through to 84 when it came out again it was it was so far ahead of what was being done at the time 
that it's hard to put in context. Like it's easier to put it in context when you compare it to other media or even something uh, again that a lot of people can understand in terms of like sports. So when you're looking at the game of basketball before Jordan arrived, there were some phenomenal, amazing freaking players, things that were done that nobody had done before. But then Jordan arrived <laughs> and the bar suddenly leapt up, no pun intended. And so this is the same kind of thing where you were looking at the quality of the work that was being done, the quality of the writing that was being done, and then you saw this. And it is so far above and beyond that from that point on, as has been said time and time again, this is the example that a lot of people continue to use over all of those years as what the pinnacle of what a good miniseries can be a good story can be and this was entirely creator um like as a creator for it he was in charge of it like there were some some editing there was some editing obviously but he was largely in charge of the concepts the story everything and instead of using that to just you know create something asinine or to push an idea or whatever just to try to push a button and make it far too graphic or whatever no it's just damn intelligent you see obviously i didn't read this at the time <laughs> uh, i first read this i don't know four or five years ago like i fairly recently actually and i really enjoyed so many things about the miniseries like how, like you said how frank miller really raised the bar you could see compare this to anything else coming out at the time and you see he was trying so many new things that seriously had not been done in comics with the art style and you know at least done in western comics you, know, you, you definitely see especially with like the panel layouts and stuff like that that manga influence that that lone wolf and cub stuff there but it really pushed boundaries in a lot of way the story was fantastic and i'm sure we're going to get into that shortly yeah. although honestly for me it i it, obviously i'm not saying it was bad it just it kind of dragged narratively in the middle and it kind of pulled me out of it. Like the, the overall story, the first, like the beginning and the end were phenomenal. And I just, it, it kind of pulled me out like around issue three and four. Like I just, I just kind of stumbled a bit and I was like, and, but it brought me back in at the end. So I, it, it's not like an all time favorite, but I, I can still appreciate it for what it was. See, the way that I looked at it is I saw the, the heavy influence of, whether it's different manga or different samurai stories or things like that, wherein there are these lulls. There's these moments where there's a lot of, it's not all about action. It's about the pacing for it and the pacing will slow right down. And then from there, either ramp up or whatever there's, I, I saw so many similarities between those. So as it was happening, I was able to recognize it and see it for what it was. And then, I mean, you got to toss into that as well, that it's a somewhat post-apocalyptic story as well of this dystopian future kind of thing. So there's, there's a lot of different genres playing in here. So let's actually get into that for a little bit. So what, what I really loved about this story too is how Miller really played with 
different genres. Again, when you're looking at a lot of stories, and I'm not just talking about comic books, but you look at a lot of, of novels even as well, and there's a very formulaic approach to how you write. If you'll recall when we had uh, Jonathan Mayberry on the show, he said that one of the reasons he loves writing for young adults is because of the freedom you get in that age group to basically write whatever you want to do so that you can play around with different concepts and ideas and just have fun with it. And as so long as the story is good, you're good to go. Whereas with a lot of other more traditional media, you don't have that option. There's a very strict rule guidelines in terms of what you can do. So here you start off with a fairly traditional samurai story, actually very traditional samurai story in feudal Japan. And you have this samurai who is protecting his lord, who is protecting a sword of great power, which was stolen from a demon. And so you have this, this fantastic story this fantastic samurai story right from the get-go with samurai and demons and, and heads being lopped samurai. off. Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when again, I keep going back to when I read this initially and it was like, it was so friggin' cool. And so you get this story again of what is going on. The Lord actually gets killed by the demon. And so now you have this samurai who is no more, no longer a samurai because he has lost his, his Lord. And so now he is basically a disgraced Ronin and he's about to take his own life. But the spirit of his Lord comes back to tell him not to, and to care for the sword and make sure that he can, when he's strong enough, go up against the demon himself. So again, Great story, friggin' awesome graphics, everything is just sucks you right in. He goes up against the um, the demon later on. There's this phenomenal fight because it's a demon sword to be able to be um, to be able to use it against the demon to kill the demon. It actually needs to kill and it needs innocent blood. It needs to kill someone who is innocent with no one around there's a obvious setup where the demon pops up behind this ronin and the ronin impales himself seppuku style to get both himself kill himself as well as the demon who's behind him before they both pass though the demon puts a curse on him so that both of their spirits return to the sword Okay, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, everything you read up to this point is like I cannot wait to read more of this. Yeah, what happens next? What the hell is going on? So you're thinking, okay, great. So what's happening? And then it's like this very, very abrupt cut. And all of a sudden, you're in this post-apocalyptic future. And you're literally, if you've got the comic book in your hand, you're kind of like, flipping the pages back and the forth and you're kind of like what the, is there something missing here what's going on and so this is eight centuries into the future now in new york city and there's some weird stuff going on here <laughs> they don't exactly define what's happened but it's basically there's no rule there's different factions that have come up and I like how Miller did not stray or hide from 
what I believe, and, and it's not to be negative, but it's just because of human nature, to be a lot of the racist aspects of what you would expect to happen as groups start to get together. So he has a lot of various uh, uh, races who band together or different groups like the Aryan ones who are banding together. And he doesn't, he doesn't stray away from how ugly that can be. And then in addition to that, you have, again, a lot of different things going on in the city with, again, they're trying to hold some faction of order through this Aquarius complex thing. And then you find out more about that. And there's this massive kind of AI complex right in the middle of New York, slowly kind of creeping out, taking it over. And then again, you're blending into that story now. And it, and it sounds jarring. Some of it is jarring, but when you're reading it, it from the point you're in the future, it really blends in nicely. So now it's just taking you along for a story. At this point, you've basically let go of the rails. You may as well, because <laughs> you can't control this. Don't try to make sense of it. Just go with it. And so you find out that there is this Aquarius comp, uh, Corporation. And basically what they did is they have created this. It's more than just an AI. It's, it's, it's not just an artificial intelligence, but it's also this artificial being that at some point was able to start not just replicating, but also learning and making themselves better. And then this became known as um, Virgo. And so from there, Virgo just kept growing and learning and developing its own biocircuitry, which it's, it's kind of like a plastic-based electronics. And so then it went from there and kept, again, that growing and learning thing. And this is important because of how it transitions into the next part kind of thing. So again, I've talked enough here, like up until this point here though, I'm guessing you're still in for the ride. Oh, absolutely. Especially with the future stuff. Like this, this is a pure Assassin's Creed moment. here. It's yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what's, what's going on? But I, I, I really appreciated it because, you know, looking back, the art style was so reminiscent of a lot of the things, you know, I had, had seen growing up, you know, growing up late eighties, early nineties, stuff like, you know, heavy metal and, you know, ion flux and that, that sort of animation style and that vision of the future is even still today kind of, you know, kind of what I keep in the back of my mind. Like if you're going to have a jacked up future, that, that, that's, that's still kind of what I think of. Not, not so much Blade Runner, but, but stuff like that. And the way that, you know, Ronin captures that same feel. I mean, you could tell they obviously, you know, all kind of we're drawing from that collective consciousness of source material and it just it just really the future parts of this kind of visually stylistically really resonated with me yeah now i can't believe i'm saying this but there's spoilers here okay folks <laughs> like many years old now decades old but still if you were planning on reading it which i highly highly suggest be forewarned there's gonna be some spoilers so basically what happens from here is you find out that there is a young man who lives kind of within Virgo. Because again, don't think of Virgo as, you know, this Android data looking thing or or just as an artificial intelligence in a computer. It's 
it's all encompassing. There's, there's, it creates its own rooms. It creates its own roots to go into the ground to get whatever it needs from the earth. Um, so basically you have this, this guy who is the Billy is his name and he is actually born without any limbs at all. And that's just a, a genetic defect. And they think because of that, he's kind of, his mind is different and he has these type of telekinetic abilities. And so he can actually telekinetically use some of Virgo's, um, Cybernetics. Cybernetics, yeah. That would be the best words. To create his own arms and legs to be able to move. The extent of his abilities kind of is not clearly, clearly defined. But you find out that in, in early on that he's, he's kind of open to different things that the others aren't. And so Virgo explains to him that because he's been having these what he believes to be dreams about this samurai and this sword and this demon and everything and explains to him that that sword recently was shattered because it was discovered and the scientists probed it with a laser or whatever and it shattered. And so he, the, 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 both the Ronin and the demon are now free and the Ronin makes his way over to Billy because he sees an open conduit that he can go in and take over essentially. And then the demon is in hot pursuit from there and wants to kill Billy so that there's no chance of Ronan, the Ronan being able to come back. So the Ronan does get into him and kind of takes over. It's not until much later on that there's elements of Billy that you can still see in there. The, the Ronan is pretty much in charge and he does get the arms and everything else. And it even changes the way he looks and he starts to look again like himself, the Ronin. And then you have this story where the, the demon also goes in, takes over the one of the important people who basically runs the Aquarius corporation. He's the, 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 the one who funded everything. So he's basically in charge of most of the decisions and the demon basically kills him and takes over. So, now you have this conflict from within where the, 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 the demon is there, the, the, the Ronin is there. Actually, at this point, the demon had not yet taken him over because Virgo expels him into a sewer and shoots out Billy, who is now not Billy, but this Ronin uh, character who's out in the wild in New York and has to basically make his way out there. It's not until later on that the demon takes over uh, Mr. Taggart, who's the, the guy who's in charge of uh, Aquarius. So you have this Ronin now. So again, transition of the story. Now you have a Ronin in this post-apocalyptic New York City. And that in and of itself was tons of fun. You have him meeting up with a bunch of the different factions. You have him meeting up with this this hippie who used to be basically in charge of press for different rock groups back in the day. And so he wants to make money off of the Ronin. So he takes him around and all that. He <laughs> tells him to go into a bar and make <laughs> bad comments about people just so that he can prove that he can fight and make a name for himself and th things like that. But that story well, actually, of the Ronin to, there was great. Just to kind of stop you there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I really liked that part 
of it. How after he, you know, had to attack the guy and, you know, ended up chopping off his hand when they cut to that yes. last panel and you see him crying yeah, because, you know, he realizes, you know, that that was entirely his fault. You know, the, the, the hippie basically forced him into violating his code of honor like that was but there was probably one like of like my favorite little bits of the comic. Yeah, there were there were a lot of those moments though, where you see how he is reacting to that new situation that he's in, and that's where again I, I'm, I'm saying that how much I, I, I like that transition of story into again he, the Ronin in this post apocalyptic future that that Samurai Jack of being yeah. sucked from one era and being put into an era of of this post apocalyptic high technological society and having to make your way and things like that. So you can very clearly see where Samurai Jack came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so all of that stuff that's done there was just absolutely phenomenal. And then eventually as well, while he's, he's out and about and things like that, well, the head of security for the Aquarius complex corporation is now out there looking for him as well, because they sent over other security forces that he just, quite easily killed because he's got his hands onto onto a, a couple of swords and so she goes out looking for him and eventually they actually bond while they are out trying to get back to the Aquarius Comp- uh, Corporation and being attacked by everybody including now Virgo as well again Virgo is growing and learning at an exponential rate. And then there's a lot of other things going on as well. This is a very multi-layered story with different things going on. Uh, one of which being the, that the, again, because the demon is now taken over the, the head of this company. Now all of a sudden he wants to use Virgo for weaponized purposes. So now we have Virgo developing these massive different robotic weapons cybernetic weapons think terminator and sending them out after the head of security and the ronin who are out there and that's when you start to find out a little bit more about the story as well in terms of what exactly is happening now up until that point had you even had a clue that there was more behind than what you were expecting I, I was completely at face value on this one. Okay, good. I don't feel so bad because I remember, <laughs> I, I, of course, I was a kid when I read it. So I was like, okay, well, I was a little gullible. But I was reading it again. I was like, damn, you know what? Even reading it now, I would not have guessed. I'd be like along for the ride and be like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you find out that, and this is through various investigations this this head of security is is a woman casey and she is actually married to the doctor who created virgo came up with the concepts and created it and he is slowly losing his mind because he knows there's something going on here so again you have that story going on as well the 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 marital issues that they've had and then the while he is trying to figure out what's going on and then she's been captured so he's dealing with that although that doesn't bother him quite as much as what's going on with the corporation and with taggart who is now the demon so he's actually again you would think he's losing his mind and he's been drugged by virgo because apparently virgo can synthesize different meds as well (laughs) <laughs> well, at, at this point, you know, with her evolution and she's creating, you know, all these 
biological cybernetic stuff that's just is literally growing all over the place. I mean, yeah, an anesthetic is really, really, really not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so she's keeping the doctor drug because you're finding out. I say she. It is keeping the doctor drug. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but uh, because she's got her, damn it, I'm doing it. it it's, 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 it fits. Yeah. Got her own plan for what is going on here. And there's little hints of that when she speaks to the demon as well, that mm-hmm. she's going to work with the demon for the weaponized weapons. But, and, and the quote is, uh, I'm here to help you, Mr. Taggart. And in a way you'll never understand you're here to help me. So there's these, again, these little comments here and there. Very, this is, this is Gladys. Okay. Picture Gladys. If you've ever played portal, this is her. <laughs> okay. Not yet as biting and sarcastic, but she's on her way. <laughs> it's coming. And so the, um, the, 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 uh, the system is Virgo is setting up to basically just, it wants to grow and it wants to expand and it wants to, the only way to do that. And you find this out because of the scientist who is talking with the psychiatrist and they kind of work back and forth to try to figure out, okay, well, why is it doing this? What's going on and all that? And you figure out that it's using Billy because Billy has a lot more, a, a lot more capacity than, than just the telekinetics. There's a lot more going on in that brain and a lot of reasons why. And because of the abuse that he took as a child and because of how that manifested in itself in this ability to create mayhem with just his mind, but to also affect people and things like that. And then it clearly scarred him for life, especially how his mother reacted when he, act, well, not accidentally, well, kind of killed someone, <laughs> just obliterated them. But yeah. uh, but anyways, it's kind of scarred him for life. And then he kind of repressed all of those brain functions. Now, Virgo figures the only way for it to grow and to learn is to force Billy to let that go so that he starts to use those higher brain functions so that it can learn from those mimic those. And then from there, you know, take over the freaking world is what it boils down to. So what you find out it's they start hinting at it is that none of this samurai story is real. We first saw that, uh, was it when they were doing the demonstration with the robots? Yes. With the, the Chinese or Japanese, I think at this point in the future is just kind of all one Asian syndicate. (laughs) And what was cool is the 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 head guy that was there was Mr. Koike. Yes. <laughs> and, but yeah, that's when we see he mentions, oh, it was so nice of you to style him after, you know, that famous story from our childhood. You're like, what? <laughs> it's the look on Taggart's face behind him that they, <laughs> yeah. that again, Miller did such a good job framing that and then framing him there by himself after as well. Yeah. Because you, you, you have now this this person who is becoming self-aware and realizing kind of what's going on here and that it's all smoke and mirrors and that this entire story of the Ronin was created and somewhat implanted into Billy's mind so that he could live through that, so that he could become that Ronin. And then from then on, when you're seeing the different demons or whatever that are attacking Casey and the, the Ronin, 
that they're actually not there. They're robots. They're they're these cybernetics. And so it it she's breaking through that wall. The 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 part of Casey is hugely important. I mean this this is actually not a story about that Ronin. It it, it kind of is, but the story of Casey is mm-hmm. you're following that through the entire thing and it's her who's left standing. Well, I shouldn't say just her, <laughs> but I mean she works through the illusion. It's no one else. So you have once she's figured out what it is and having spoken to a version of her husband again i want to leave some folks some things for folks to to read but uh and he's saying like you have to shatter the illusion for billy so that this can end and i don't want to go too much into how she does that but again beginning to end at least for me and i know you're saying that there were some parts that you felt slow but beginning to end this just never disappointed me in terms of the story and how masterfully crafted that story is Mm-hmm. I, say, I think a lot of it for me was there was just so much going on in that middle bit. I mean, you had the Ronin out in the way. You had Casey. You had her husband. You had three Tiger. or four different head scientists and yeah. executives. Like It was a lot to keep track of in the middle. It, it is. It is. And the, see – I, I, I honestly, I just kept getting characters confused. Like, I had oh, to really? Keep looking back, like, who's this guy supposed to be? Yeah. Oh, so I didn't. I, I I knew the main guys, and so I could follow them through and and enjoy it. Anyways, folks are going to have to let us know in the comments what the what they thought as they read it, and if if they agree with you or not. Um, again, I don't want to go into too much, just to say that well, the obvious the the illusion does get shattered, but again, I felt that ending owned up to what people were expecting of it. Oh, and, the ending was phenomenal, and at the time, again this series was so highly regarded that as it was playing out picture the 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 you know the the freaking game of thrones now kind of thing on tv the the, the walking <laughs> dead that you know other people do like that you can't wait for the next installment this is this is bigger than life this is amazing we need to know well that's what this was kind of thing and it was like what the hell is he doing with this story because it is so the, the beginning was so masterfully crafted and then the, the middle and you go like what the hell and then when you find out that in the hints of the illusion leading up to that end you're there's no stopping you from picking up this next issue and and it lived up to it not not only did it live up it exceeded and 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 that's what not just for me, but for a lot of people, really sets this aside as such an example of what the medium can be when properly, properly written, properly drawn, everything edited. Like it, it can be so much more than a lot of what we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for the time. Like a lot of people point at you know 1986 as being the year when you know comics really leveled up if you will because that was of course the year Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns came out but you go back three years before that and you see that Frank Miller is really laying the groundwork for that big explosion in the later 80s yeah and then again you can see how this affected a lot of other series read it read it and start thinking about a lot of other series that are out there and you'll see a lot of the similarities that are there. And then again, like I was saying, like something as as 
different as freaking Samurai Jack, a cartoon, uh, an awesome cartoon on TV, which if you haven't watched it, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. But you can see how how affected and how much it's, I mean, again, that's that's Ronin. That's the story of Ronin, except, again, cooler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to stop it there. I, I cannot recommend this enough. Honestly, people, pick it up and read it. Not only does it hold up, but it will make you appreciate so many other things that have come since then because of it as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what we're reading. I'm going to make it easy. I've been reading How to Train Your Puppy <laughs> sites, <laughs> Housebreak Your Puppy. So I got nothing. <laughs> okay. okay. I will have a lot more next week, but uh, it's all you. Go for it. All right. Uh, first, I wanted to touch on all new X-Men uh, I think it was issue 13 was the latest one to come out. And how I talked about how in the previous issue of Uncanny Avengers, how we saw the rest of the team kind of reacting to Havoc's big press conference. Well, now we're starting to see the other X-Men reacting to it in the various titles. And Kitty's little speech here was great. Like, it really was the way I felt about the whole thing. So I, I just think it's great that they're really exploring all the different ways that that little speech can affect people. And I really appreciate that. Cool. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You haven't read the latest issue. No, I haven't. Oh, it's kicking off. (laughs) I'll I'll leave it at that. Kicking off. Jesus. What's it been doing up until now? (laughs) I, I'm not going to ruin it. Okay. All right. All right. Wow. This absolutely confirmed for best interpretation of the Ninja Turtles of all time. Is it, what is that, 22, 23? 20-something. 20 23, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, the latest issue of Hawkeye, issue 11, the pizza dog issue. <laughs> this is really a comic that requires multiple readings, and all credit on this one goes to David Aja. I mean, Matt Fraction even says this is all Aja. And th- this issue is actually late because, as they said, it's harder to make a comic starring a dog than you'd think it would be <laughs> because – they really wrote this issue from Lucky's perspective. Like it's a lot of pictograms and the way a dog experiences the world is obviously very different from a human. And they did it in a comic book. It's kind of nuts. Right. <laughs> and then lastly, uncanny X-Force. We finally start going into the past of Psylocke and Phantom X and why they're no longer together. Holy crap. (laughs) I read the one before that, which was so freaking awesome. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And this this was – I love it. (laughs) Again, you haven't read it. I don't want to ruin anything, but I will be caught up next week. I promise. Yeah, you have a lot of catching up I do, to do. I do, I do, really. I do. The last couple of weeks have been very good for comics. And honestly, I'm behind myself. Yeah. So even without being caught up, this right here was four comics that were absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, I had the, the new Superior Super Spider-Man in my hand yesterday and it was like, I'm too tired. <laughs> I want to sleep. <laughs> I want to read it, but I have to sleep. <laughs> I just spent 45 minutes with the puppy outside trying to get it to be. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't squeeze hard enough. Oh, man. All right. You done? 
Uh, yeah, that's all I've got. All right, so let's talk about what came out today. We've got Astonishing X-Men number 64. We've got Hawkeye number 12. We've got Industri- Indestructible Hulk number 10. <laughs> Industrial Hulk. I would read that comic. <laughs> it would be cool. A little steampunk thing going on. Yeah. Uh, Secret Avengers number 6. Superior Spider-Man number 13. Uncanny X-Men number 8. Wolverine number 6. And Young Avengers number 7. You still reading that? No. Like I no, said, it, it was, it, I recognized it as a very well-made comic that was not for me. For you. Okay, cool. DC side, we got Batgirl number 22. Well, actually, just on the 22 side, we've got Batgirl, Batman, um, Demon Knights, Green Lantern Corps, Justice League, and Nightwing. And then we've got Batman Arkham Unhinged number 16, Batman Little Gotham number 4, and which I don't know what that is. got to check it out. I have no idea what it, that is. It, it, it's a, obviously a kid's comic, but it's... It can definitely be enjoyed by us old folks. I got to read it. And uh, Superman Unchained number two, they're on schedule pretty much. I, this is kind of awesome. <laughs> I, I, I have to look at the artist credits. Yeah, I hear this. Did you, did you see the artist credits on the first issue of Superman Batman? No, I didn't. First issue, fill in artist. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on the image side, I'm actually giving image their own freaking spot, same as the other ones. They deserve it. We got, Some weeks they do deserve it, yes. yes. Uh, 68, Jungle Gym, number four. Chew, number 35. East of West, number four. Ghosted, number, what was that? That was number one, eh? It's your list. I don't know. I know, but hold on a second. <laughs> Dude, I erased the number after it. I saw that. I, I, oh, and I you didn't even want to point it out? You could have pointed it out. It wouldn't have killed nope. you. Would you have done it for me? Yes, I would have. And it is a number one. So there, ghosted number one. It's a new one. Give it a shot, folks. And then we've got uh, sheltered number one as well. So again, we've said it before. New ones, make sure to check them out. Often you'd be surprised. You will love it. And then there's, I put it here because it's a, a yes, it's an anthology, but it's Skull Kickers. We love it. And it's volume four. So I'll pick it up, trade paperback. It's it's on the cheap. It's only sixteen ninety nine. Storm Dogs number six of six and Walking Dead 112. And then for the others, there's a new series by George R. R. Martin, which a lot of people, again, with the Game of Thrones, love him. So I figured I'd put it in there. It's being done by Avatar Press and it's skin trade number one. It's kind of like, a, it looks like a werewolf kind of thing going on there. And uh, And for you, Adventure Time. Candy I've had Capers, enough Adventure Time one. to last me the rest of my life at this point. Between Adventure Time and Homestuck. Oh, my God. I thought that was funny when you were talking about Adventure Time at the comic. I was like, you know what? My son loves Adventure Time. And I watch it with him, mainly just so that whenever something happened that is so off the wall crazy, I look at him and we both have that expression of, what the hell? So, yeah. And just to keep the episode running a little longer. Did you see the uh, Image Expo last week? No. They announced brand new comics from everyone. <laughs> no. They, they have multiple comics launching from Brubaker, Aaron, Remender, Fraction, you name it. They all have new Image comics coming out over the next year. Plus, they announced their non-DRM comic books now as well, mm-hmm. where you actually will now finally own the digital comics that you buy and not just essentially be leasing them from their servers to be able to to read them when you want, like the comicsology stuff. No, you're actually going to earn them. And I really liked what they were saying as well when they had their press conference about it, how, you know, people complained when the tape decks came out that it was going to ruin the music industry and it obviously didn't. And so here they're relying on that Yes, there will be some piracy, but hopefully if enough people pick up an issue and like it, they will be more likely to actually buy them later on as well, too. And it's a sound logic, and I wish them the best of luck with it. 
It's not going to make piracy any easier than it already is. Basically, that's what it boils down to. So, thanks to everybody who listened. We will be back next week with Vince in charge. And if you want to find the show notes, they are, of course, at comicbookinformer.com. You can find us on Twitter at CBinformer. And we will talk to you guys next week on time. Well, possibly. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) There could be puppy mayhem. <laughs> I haven't heard from Roger in a couple days. What happened? Check under the his feet. The puppy. <laughs>